thank you again for joining me and us, the viewers and listeners. We're excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Of course, absolutely. I was excited when I started researching you and learning about you. Great story, inspirational, motivating. But before we get started, I wanted to know if you'd be up for a little game. Yes. Okay. So this is a 60 second game. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. It's going to feel really random to you, but I do it for two reasons. One, it's a nice little icebreaker between us. And two, we get to know you in a way we don't from a more formal kind of podcasty interview. So I'm going to turn the timer on for 60 seconds. You have to answer all these questions. As a thank you, I'm going to make a donation to your favorite charity. Very sweet. Thank you. I appreciate it. What is your favorite charity? Right now, I just became the chair of Making Strides for Breast Cancer here in Gainesville. So I'm going to let you donate that. Awesome. We're going to do it. Let me get the timer going. And we are up. What is your favorite juice? Orange. Biggest pet peeve? Talking with food in your mouth. (laughs) Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Text or call? Call. Coffee or tea? Tea. Me too. Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. Rain or snow? Snow. No, rain. Rain, for sure. Cat or dog? Dog. Cook or takeout? Cook. Favorite feature on yourself? My big mouth. (laughs) Favorite cuisine? Italian. Me too. Smoothies or milkshakes? Smoothies. Credit card or cash? Credit card with a paid-off balance every single month. (laughs) I like that. Yoga or meditation? Oh, neither. Holistic or traditional? Traditional. Mac or PC? Mac. Morning person or night? Both. Driver or passenger? Passenger. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Tent or RV? Tent. (laughs) I like it. Extrovert or introvert? Extrovert. (laughs) Leader or follower? Both. Hmm, I like that. Favorite movie? Oh, Mary Poppins. Ooh, favorite season? Summer. Awesome. You won. And now we've learned so many things about you and we will make that donation on your behalf. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. So you've been in the fitness industry for what, over two decades now, I think. And that's a long time. Can you give us some insight as to what drew you there and how you got your start? Yeah. So long story short is I was injured playing soccer, had a knee reconstruction, and I really enjoyed the physical therapy part. And I thought maybe I'd want to be a PT. But once my PT changed from pre-surgery to post-surgery, and I saw that PT digging around my incision, I thought that's disgusting. I would never want to touch someone's incision. But I did enjoy the gym atmosphere, the training, the helping people. And so once I finished that PT, The therapist said, you need to join a gym to keep your legs strong or you're going to re-injure it. So my mom actually lied, said I was 15 so I could join Spa Lady in South Florida. And I went over there and I really enjoyed working with the machines. And then I enjoyed taking classes. And I I just thought my instructors were cool. They had leotards, they had leg warmers, they were super fun. And I thought, that looks like a neat thing to do. And I was working at Cinnabon. That was (laughs) this teenage job I had. And I was packing on weight, eating frosting in the back. And thankfully I had a really mean manager and I thought, I don't want to work with her anymore. So I applied at the gym and they, they hired me. They said, Hey, have you ever taught a class before? I said, no, it was Tuesday. Will you teach one Friday night? And I had no experience teaching, but I'm a gamer. So I said, okay. And I showed up and I did it and it went pretty well. And I continued to evolve as an instructor and college. I taught fitness on television for a couple of years. I taught fitness over in Europe on a cruise ship. I just 
continue to expand my horizons within fitness instruction. And I just was so passionate about it. It did take me a little while to figure out that it is what I wanted to do as a career. Finally, that red light went off and I just knew I'm already doing what I love to do. And now I just have to figure out how to make a business out of it. And I don't regret it one bit. I'm so grateful for that knee injury. There's nothing I wouldn't do to keep doing what I do professionally. And, you know, the last two years of my life describes that very fully. Well, first, I love that you're grateful for that knee injury because, I mean, a lot of people would let that knock them down or not be able to see that as a thing that actually brought them to where you are today. And man, you have a mission and a purpose and it started young. Most people don't tap into that until much later in life. Yeah, I'm so blessed to just be very purpose-driven and fueled by the love of what I do. I couldn't imagine going in and being someone who just puts widgets in a box. And that's very respectable work, but I think it's disparaging to call what I do work. It's a blessing. your heart. At least, yeah. And if I was independently wealthy... You know, if I was this billionaire kid, I would just do it all for free all the time. It's really the fact that I have to monetize it is a bummer. Well, actually, when you mentioned turning it into a business, I don't know if it's, I mean, I think it's kind of cool because you get to live your passion, you get to live from your heart and you get to create a monetization product from that. And I, I, I like that. I think it's like you're giving and then you're receiving. So you're giving your purpose and then it's like an energy exchange. You give and you receive. So it's okay to monetize. I agree with that. And the, and the reality is, is I, my mission is to help people live better and longer and I'm damn good at it. I've never sold a pill, a powder, a shake, a supplement. I've never once lied to people. I've never sold them out. I teach people how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size they want to be, how to exercise wisely, efficiently, and effectively and make fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. And the ripples of success I have left in my wake, there are so many people living better and longer, happier in their jeans and their swimsuits or just pain-free because of what I do. So you're right. There's, there's nothing wrong with monetizing it, but I'm very proud of my work and I, I'm so passionate about it, as you can tell. Yeah. Well the, well, the thing that's shining through to me most is the authenticity. Yeah. Like there's no BS here. There's no like gray area. So it's just pouring out of you. And I love that. It's awesome. You shine and glow when you're talking about it. So cool. As you mentioned about monetizing and creating a business from it, you have turned your lifestyle brand into an international company, which is so cool and amazing. How'd you do that? Big picture, you know, Jack LaLanne, I don't know if you remember Jack LaLanne, the godfather of fitness. I just saw what he did and I thought mass impact. That's what I want. And I've never, I've always enjoyed any moment I was in the process of teaching people fitness, but training people one-on-one or teaching a class of 50 becomes very unsatisfying. When I'm on national television and I educate 8 million people in about two and a half minutes in the morning, I feel like that's a really good, satisfying day of work. I want to help everybody. That's just it. I'm not satisfied with small groups. I want mass impact. I want everybody to understand and, you know, commit to healthy lifestyle and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to keep moving forward. And yeah, I want everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm not satisfied easily. And that's what has propelled me to keep doing better and being better professionally so I can serve and reach more people. I love it. Service. It's all about service and impact and ripple effects. You're like saying so many of my favorite words. And you just were, when you were talking, I know you don't look like him or even act like him. But I, all that keeps coming up for me is Richard Simmons. Oh, you know what? I'll take that as 
that's a compliment. Yeah, I would take that too. He's so genuine. He, I also feel that he cares so much about the people that he's serving. Now he's, he's a bit kooky and fun, but you know what? that's, that's, Damn, that's his trademark. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. Thank you. <laughs> he, um, and he was obese before he started. I don't know if you know his story. I'm really into fitness too. Not like you, but I'm into it. He was, I was 45 pounds heavier when I was a freshman in college. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. So I guess a lot of people like that's how they get started. They, and you know, 45 pounds isn't like what he was, but it's like right. that little bit of a difference that you're like, Oh wait, this worked for me. I feel so much better. I feel like I look better. Now I want to share it with the world. Well, so here's interesting. I was teaching fitness bef- for many years, for five, six years before I really took the weight off. But it's interesting when I'll stand on the stage in front of thousands of people and, you know, I've got the big credentials and I've got the big experience and the brands behind me. But you could tell some people are looking at me and they're just skeptical because I'm one of the worst things in the world. I'm a thin blonde woman and <laughs> and blonde. Ew, we hate her, right? And so I'll get the skeptical face until I tell people, I was 45 pounds heavier at one point. I had an eating disorder. And then all of a sudden they soften and they go, oh, okay, I like her. I can identify with that. I And they know I can empathize with what it's like to hate your body and despise shopping and all of those things. So yeah, it's interesting. My miserable state and my weight has allowed some people to give me a chance and hear it's what I think. You become relatable. Yeah. And people need that because you're beautiful. You're thin, you're fit. You're like, you said blonde. I think you have blue eyes, beautiful. Yeah, of course. So people are like, Oh no, we can't like her until she's gone through some adversity that we know about. So yeah, I get that. So speaking of adversity, you have a new book coming out called my noisy cancer comeback. Yeah. I'm going to get it today for sure. I'm ordering it. We'll talk about the link later. From what I understand, you talk about how you were the least likely person to ever get a cancer diagnosis because you were dedicated to regular doctor's visits and self-checking. Can you take us back to the day you were diagnosed and share kind of what was going through your mind? Yeah, interesting. So I, I've been an annual exam girl forever, promoting it and doing it personally, always getting the annual mammogram, not even when I was too young, just because it was free. I figured, why not? If I ever have a cancer cell in me, I want to know about it right away so I could find it and crush it type thing. But December of 2018, I went in for that annual mammogram, came out with a clean bill of health, which was legit. The radiologist didn't miss anything. There was nothing there. Less than seven weeks later at a hotel bathroom at a race weekend, I came out of the shower and I scratched my under boob and I felt it. It felt like a bean, a hard bean. And I thought, oh God, I have breast cancer. There was no doubt in my mind. It was just, yikes, this is a turning point that I need people to hear and duplicate if they're ever in the same position. I find it. My phone was on the bathroom counter with me. And within 30 seconds, I had the doctor on the phone. I was taking it seriously. So were they. That was a Thursday morning. Monday, I went in for that doctor's appointment. Thursday, I went in for a mammogram and an ultrasound. And I could see the screen she was looking at. And I could see the tumor. And, and she goes, you know what? This, this mass is a bit concerning. She said, but you also have three hard swollen lymph nodes I'm concerned about. And with that, you know, my world was thrown into spin cycle. I was terrified. I <laughs> I went from, you know, the healthiest girl alive, not perfect, never perfect, but doing almost all the right things. And then the most optimistic person. And then I thought, oh God, I'm definitely dying. And I thought that because there was a lot of perfect in my life. You know, this perfect family, this perfect career, everything was going right. And I thought, oh crap, I'm going to make that perfect tale of tragedy. That's the only thing I thought as I was like, here I go. It was 
and uh, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And I hadn't even told anybody. I had told one person, but not my husband, not my family, that I found a lump. I told nobody. And then I thought, oh God, now I have to tell him I'm going to die. It went from, God. yeah, it, it was absolutely terrifying. Now the fear was real and it, and it lasted for a while, but within a couple of weeks, once I gathered my oncology team, my oncologist, he was able to convince me, he said, listen, Fitz, 94% of all breast cancer cases are curable. Yours, your type is particularly curable. You just have to endure the cure. While I was sitting in there, that office, I was also thinking about my girlfriend, Charlene Malloy, who just 18 months prior had died from pancreatic cancer. And what I thought in that room was how terrifying it must've been for her to have a type of cancer that was uh, so much less terminal. Yeah. Right. I mean, pancreatic is a nightmare. So I thought she had no hope and I've got this great gift. So as I've gone through my whole life is I tend not to cry over milk that hasn't spilled. And uh, I decided to look on the bright side, which was always, you know, for me, I wasn't a kid with cancer. You know, can you imagine being three years old? Going, no way. So I wasn't a kid with cancer. It wasn't my kid with cancer, which would be way worse. And last but not least, it wasn't one of the more typically lethal types of cancers or other diseases. And so I decided that I wasn't going to have a pity party. Never once had a why me moment. I did lots of crying, of, uh, of stress, so much stress. It's an unbearable diagnosis and the treatment for it is harsh and brutal and uncomfortable and scary and all of those things. But not having the pity party, I think really went a long way. So instead of yielding to the cancer and playing its victim for 18 months, what I did instead is I decided that, okay, I'm going to do this treatment. I'm going to take on everything they recommend for me, but I'm not giving up time with my kids, period, end of story. And I'm not giving up my career. And because of those two things, I ended up having more adventure in my year and a half as a cancer patient than most people have in a lifetime in a healthy body. Well, there are a few things that I'm hearing you say. First of all, I don't even know if you know this about yourself, but from talking about you after the PT when you were a teenager and going to the gym and getting a job there, you are super, super intuitive. Oh, thanks. Because even when you're talking about being in the hotel room, a lot of people would be like, hmm, maybe it's not anything. I'm going to go get it checked out, but I doubt it's something. Or maybe it's the worst thing. And maybe I'm like this. And you just said, I know it's something and I got to go get it checked out. That's really tapping into your inner self, your higher self, rather than like living in your lower self, which is all those fear. And I know you went through the fear. You just detailed that. But that first moment of feeling it. And then just saying to yourself, I got to get this addressed. There's something here. And amazingly, right after you had just had a checkup. It's yeah. incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I, again, I'm that ex- example A of if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone, but I'm also the exhibit A of self exams because I was getting the annual exams and they matter, but you have to squeeze your stuff. And that's the thing you have easy access to. It's your hands, it's your stuff. There's nothing creepy about putting your hands in your shirt or in your pants and having a feel. But if I hadn't touched my body and, and then obviously reported it, you would be talking about me instead of to me. This thing was moving fast, aggressively, on the go, trying to take me out. And if I had waited till the following December for the follow-up mammogram, I'd be dead. I just simply couldn't have survived that. So yeah, and I, I have a very strong commitment to controlling what I can. So when there's something within my grasp, when I can manipulate the situation for the better, I do it every single time. On the flip side, if I know I can't control it, I let it go because I just can't, I can't freak out about things that aren't within my power. And you have such a good mindset. 
I do. <laughs> yeah, you really do. I mean, I'm a mindset coach, so I, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I do, yeah. So you played it out. So first you were like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm on it. I'm not going to cry over milk that hasn't spilled. I'm going to use that, by the way. I never heard that before. I love it. And then you got to the doctor, you found out, and then you went into fear mode. What I want to know is for someone who prides themselves on being so open, transparent, and honest, you initially decided to hide your condition as you kind of remain front and center before thousands at every event that you went to. And so that had to be super difficult. Why did you choose that path? Well, I, I tell you, I would have loved to keep the whole thing secret. I'm just a private person. You know, I, I believe there's a public side in this. And one of the things I'm turned off by is everybody on Facebook going, pray for me. I sprained my ankle. And I think really you're eating up prayers on a sprained ankle or someone who's airing all their dirty personal laundry. I'm really turned off by that. So I never want to do that. And a medical issue to me is a personal thing. However, I was going to lose two feet of long blonde recognizable hair. And I thought, oh, I'm going to stand on these stages bald. People are going to ask questions and there's no way a wig could have duplicated the hair that I had. So I was almost bullied into revealing my diagnosis. And so what I did is I just came out and I said, Hey guys, listen, I made a little video here at this kitchen table. If anyone wants to see it, it's actually kind of, it's kind of cute looking back. It's, it says I have breast cancer. It's on my social media channels at fitness, but just said, Hey guys, I have bad news. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. My doctors have promised me a cure. I just have to get through it. I'm going to look bald. I'm going to look weird, but I am going to show up all to all my events. I am going to perform as expected. I expect zero pity. I will not accept any pity. You can root for me. I'm going to be fine. Of course, I had no idea what I was actually in for, right? But what I decided is what I am professionally is I am a beacon of health and happiness. This is who I am. This is what I do. And it's genuine, as you've noticed. There's, there's not a fake bone about this. And so for me to all of a sudden become like, hey, guys, I'm so sick today and I'm so scared I have a scan. I didn't want to muddy those waters. You know, my role in the world that I like best is still as a beacon of health and happiness. And so I just decided whatever actually went on, I wasn't going to let that muddy the water. So I kept all the gory details to myself as I went through it. If you go back between as like February of 2019 and May of 2020, where my treatment went, there's not one pathetic post. It's all, hey, I'm at a race. Things are going great. If people say, how are you? I was like, fine. No matter what was going wrong, I would just say fine. And gosh, did things go wrong. Things went every way wrong, which is uh, why in hindsight, I fill the pages with all the juicy, gory, ugly details. And not only was I going through cancer treatment, but as you mentioned, I was sleeping on the hotel bathroom floor, violently ill. And then I, my alarm would go off at 4.30 a.m. And I drag myself up. I'd put on my clothes, try to put on some makeup. And then I step onto those stages. And this is the magic of having something you love so much as your profession or your passion is that the second I stood on those stages, 95% of all the things that were going wrong with me dissipated. I was able to be full force Fitz Kohler again. And that's because I'm a service provider. I was there to focus on them, make sure they had a great time, give them the information and then celebrate their successes. And I'm a professional race announcer. So if people don't know what that is. I, I'm in the start and finish line of massive running events. So Los Angeles Marathon, Buffalo, Philadelphia Marathon, Big Sur, the Wonder Woman Run Series. So it wasn't my job to get on those stages and be like, oh guys, I feel like crap today, but do your thing. I was a representative of these organizations. So yeah, I just chose to be who I was and not let cancer victimize me. 
you know, it, it very well could have taken my life. You know, I could have gone down in flames. Things could have gone awry. Or I could have had an allergic reaction. There was an, a million opportunities for things to go wrong. But I hope that even if they had, I would have controlled everything I could to the last minute. I would have had my favorite songs playing and I would have had my family with me. And, you know, I would have made sure they played Walking on Sunshine when I they laid me to rest. You know, I just, life is really, really good if we choose it to be. And I'm a joy addict. So I, I just pursue that path. All right. I'm going to pour into you for a minute. You're awesome. I love you. This is so good. This is like just, you're speaking my language and I want people to realize that it's a decision. It's a choice. It's not easy. Even if you weren't diagnosed with cancer, we have days that are difficult and it's a decision that we make in every single moment that we're going to be a joint addict, that we're going to take our job seriously and show up the way we are meant to at our hundred percent, no matter what's going on. And I commend you. I acknowledge you for it. I value you. I think it's amazing. And I, I love you. I think you're awesome. Well, thank you. And you know, people are like, well, it's easy to talk about in hindsight or, or sometimes to look at me today and be like, well, you didn't really go through it. Well, read the book. And, and there's all the miserable, everything went wrong. And I was hospitalized. I just didn't put that out there. I just didn't say, woe is me. I'm in the hospital getting blood transfusions. And I cried almost every day. I just chose to do it alone in my bathroom or in my car, you know, I'm not devaluing the stress and hardships of cancer. It was brutal. Oh my gosh. And some people were like, aren't you happy you went through it? Cause now you got a book and would you do it again? Hell no, I would not do it again. Do it again? No, no. If I could undo it all, I would, but you know, it's within my nature to make the best of every situation. And, you know, I prefer happy over sad every, every time I can get that choice. And and more people, I think, should be making that decision for themselves. Life is very good if we choose it. Absolutely. And I also think not only the ripple effects that you have by not kind of having that pity party, but also the more you stay in that space, the more it impacts you too. So the easier it is to go down that rabbit hole of negativity, what was me, poor me. So of course you had your days where you cried or you were probably throwing up and on the bathroom floor and all of that, but you chose not to let that become your identity. And I love that. So yeah, you are making a major comeback with this book. It's going to be awesome. What made you decide to write a tell-all book about your experience since you are so private? Well, as the avalanche of side effects from chemo started kicking in, and that was my first form of treatment. It was my first and last. I did chemo for 15 months, and then we threw in 33 rounds of radiation and some surgery in between. But what I found was nobody really tells you what actually goes on with with cancer care. They say, oh, you may be sick, and you may be tired, and you may be bald. Okay, well, I was all of those things. But nobody tells you that your fingernails may rot off on your hands and they will rot and stink for weeks at a time. Nobody tells you about all the rashes. My eyes changed colors. There was all of these things just kept coming and coming and I'm a sarcastic person. And so even though I was suffering greatly, it became very funny and I adopted these nicknames. So first it was, you know, I was bald, but then I had rash on my head. So I looked like Shrek. I was like, I got ogre bumps. I'm an ogre. And that lasted for a while. And then when my lashes fell out and I had lash extensions on those lashes. So I, and if everything tend to go down at a race weekend, which is part of the entertainment factor of the book is just to see how things spun out of control while I was on a stage or whatever. But So my right eyelashes all fell out. And then I had 20 big, fabulous lashes on my left eye. And do you remember the 
the weird baby toy in Toy Story. It's it's this baby head with robotic legs and one big eye, one big blue eye with lashes. And then (laughs) that was me. And then they all fell out. And then I look like Voldemort. And so it was the humor about it. And if you have a good attitude, cancer can be really, really funny. And obviously it's a nightmare. I've also lost my dad and my grandmas and my friends from cancer, but it's almost like, you know how minorities can pick on their own race or their own culture? Cancer patients, we can pick on ourselves because the experience is preposterous. So I thought people will get a really good laugh at this. And then the other thing I thought is, you know, the thing I am is someone who kicks people in the can, pokes them in the chest and say, do better and be better. I thought I can help other people going through this. And so one of the great beauties is my book is now considered a Bible for breast cancer or cancer. And so now every single day, someone will reach out and say, I just got diagnosed. Can I get your book? Or my dad was just diagnosed with something. Can he get your book? And, and so it's going to be as a support mechanism for people, a tool. And then those patients are reaching out saying, oh my gosh, this helped me so much. I'm, I'm doing so much better now. Thank you for the uh, uplifting attitude and so forth. So yeah, it's been really helpful to patients, survivors, caregiver, and that's a reward I hadn't predicted. You have such a servant's heart. Uh, I love people. I love people so much. I feel it. You're bringing tears to my eyes. Usually I'm the one who has the people crying on the interviews, not the opposite. You have such a good heart, a zest for life, and you really just are living, like I said earlier, your authentic life. And it's it just it just shines through. You're like a beacon of hope and light for people. Before we wrap up, this is an opportunity in the show to turn the tables. You get to ask me one question right now. You can ask me anything you'd like to know or you think that the viewers might want to know. What's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? Oh, okay. I got to keep it somewhat clean for my kids. You know, I would say just randomly changing careers when I was at the top of my career was pretty adventurous. I was running a really, really successful real estate team. It was lucrative. I was making the money. Everything was going well. And I did what you did, but I just didn't do it at 15 years old. I just did it a few years ago. I realized I had a bigger purpose and that was more important than any dollars or any accolades or awards or anything else like that. And I just shifted. Congratulations. Yeah, that is adventurous. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. I feel the same way about what I'm doing that you feel. So when I hear you speaking, I'm like, I can relate and connect to you because I'm living that. So yeah. How can the viewers contact you? You said your website, which I want you to say again, and then maybe Instagram or any other platforms that you like. I am fitness. It's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. So the word fitness with my Z in the middle, fitness.com. That is always my home base. That's my ideal place for people to buy the book. So if you want the hardcover or paperback, go there. Not only do you get the autograph book, they're all signed. You can tell me who to sign it to. So if it's for you, let me know. If it's for Aunt Martha, who's got ovarian cancer, let me know that and I'll take good care of her. And then you also get the gift with purchase, which is a sticker. It says, I can do hard things. And I encourage you to put that somewhere. You can see it on a regular basis. As far as social media goes, I kept it simple. I am at fitness everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, find me and don't just follow, reach out and say hi and said, I heard you and Pam talking on the juice and I wanted to connect because I'm a connector. I love making new friends. 
I love this. And I actually spent a little bit of time on your Instagram today and I loved it. I'm like watching your videos. So you guys go check her out and mostly go check her out because what she's doing here is adding value. She is here to help you. She's here to serve. When you have someone in your life that is willing to serve you, what you want to do is you want to appreciate them and you want to take advantage of it, not take advantage by taking advantage of her, but the opportunity. Use her. She's saying, here I am. I'm a vessel for hope. I'm a vessel for fitness, for health, for love, for anything that I can give to you. So go do it, you guys. Check her out. She is awesome. I love this interview, Fitz. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if I could serve you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. I'll take you up on that, Pam. Thanks for having me on The Juice.